VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Off Air. Welcome. Now, do you want to just pack in those nuts before we get started? Because otherwise we're going to have to put out a trigger warning for people who don't like the sound of eating. Let's just put them down. During very audio. kind of you. you did buy a small bag of nuts today. It was a very small bag, and actually, I have made a mental note to myself to bring in a much larger tin of nuts. Somebody uh, broke into my car the other night, Jane, and oh, rifled no. through absolutely everything. And the only thing that they took, because no valuables are stored in my car overnight, uh, the only thing they took was my great big tin of Christmas nuts. <laughs> I was really upset. <laughs> Was it your Lamborghini? <laughs> it's the Skoda. The Skoda, okay. Right. The, the Skoda of dreams. Yes, you've been very loyal to that car. <laughs> uh, we, we, I did have my car. It wasn't really broken into, um, but I just hadn't locked it. And somebody got into it, um, smoked quite a lot of, I'm going to Marijuana. say. Marijuana? Yes. Oh, dear. Wacky-backy. And then left. <laughs> um didn't really do anything else didn't take anything didn't just used it as a safe haven what do you keep in your car are, um, are you one of those people who does clean it out i've got driving gloves <laughs> people used to have thing. those didn't they <laughs> driving gloves and driving shoes do you remember very, yes no yeah. i think the driving shoe was very important but oh, yeah. i think that's back in days of yore when a gentleman might have quite a racy slip-on shoe which would be very unsafe on the pedals. That's true. That must be where that comes from. Actually, I was going to mention there was a story the RAC um, were putting out first thing this morning. I think it was on the news as well about the glare of lights when you're Such driving. Such an important story. Well, I think it is. Um, and I was only saying to a friend of mine the other day, and I did feel a really fully paid up member of the old Fartarati, but we were just talking about how we've both gone off driving at night. Well, I'm very no, but I'm very glad you said that because so it's the LED glare, isn't it? Because loads and loads of cars and all new cars seem to have these LED lights, and because there are so many more SUVs driving as well, that glare will be at a different height to where the headlights used to be. That's a good point. Yeah, and I genuinely can't drive outside of a town at night, full stop. So I am one of those people with you, and I wouldn't be able to. I actually wouldn't be able to move to the countryside because I would not be able to drive at night at the moment because it's too much for glare. But I think the RAC survey said that uh, I think it's two-thirds of over 65-year-olds now won't drive at night. Just won't. Because of the glare. But my, my worry is that some of them will need in an emergency to drive at night. You're so right, sister. And I think that will be very concerning for people. And there's no need to have those really, no, really bright lights. There isn't lights. any need, is there? No. They're not, or are they just they just come with the car and there's nothing you can yes. do about it? Yeah, but it's one of those advances uh, 
in technology that Isn't actually is not an advance. It takes us back. Well, it's been a funny old week in terms of uh, advances and technology and how we're sort of, because of what's happened in the light of the post office Horizon IT scandal, we're just trying to sort of gather the strength to to challenge some of this stuff and to say, well, it's not always right, the technology. The computer that says no might be wrong when it says no. Might It should be saying yes. Or We it, need to believe in ourselves we need again, to have, don't Yes, we? we need to garner the strength to challenge uh, the technology that now effectively runs our lives. And isn't it interesting, we've just done the live radio programme. On Times Radio. On Times Radio. It's a radio station. And you can find it on your dial if you just rescan on your digital network. So you can get us from anywhere, actually, so, can't you? There's a Times Radio app and it's free. So we're on between three and five and we do tech news, don't we, with the fantastic tech journalist Chris Stoker-Walker on a Wednesday. And all of his stories were about exactly that interface between technology and us as humans. So one of them was about Bitcoin and uh, people had fallen for this scam of a tweet uh, that had said something about Bitcoin. So its value had shot up, but actually it was a fake tweet. And to our horror, this was called a pump and dump pump and dump scam. What a way to spend your days. Uh, One of them was a horrendous story uh, about uh, young people's exposure to pornography and what's happening because of that. And then the other one was just about this, what now seems to be quite an old-fashioned scam of deep faking a celebrity and bunging their face on an advert and loads of people falling for it. But the So this is a huge scam in America featuring people like Oprah and Taylor Swift. 195 million people have viewed these scam adverts on YouTube. And it's just it's it's just gone wrong, Jane, hasn't it? Just you know, for that, that as a platform uh, to to allow that number of people to have watched something that you know representatives from those celebrities will have been on it like a car bonnet. Mm. You know, to, to get taken down, but not before hundred and ninety five million people have seen it. Have seen it. And let's say only 30% believe that they're real. That's millions. Well, can you do the maths on I that? can't, unfortunately. <laughs> I tell you what, if you had picked 10%, I would have been straight in there. You know, I, I introduced <laughs> introduced at the breakfast table today, even I would, which is why I didn't pick it, um, the subject of, you know, that most recent... Well, it's not NASA, is it? It's a private company, but using they put some NASA equipment on the ship to try to get it to land on the moon. Oh, and they took up lots of people's ashes, didn't they? And it's extremely sad, and unfortunately things have gone, well, frankly, wrong, and it's it's not going to land on the moon. Uh, and I was listening to a very erudite um, scientist, a space scientist, explaining all this, um, and they just say, you know, the technology simply isn't there uh, to land on the moon, and they're going to have to put it back now. This is for people, a, a, a human uh, crew were supposed to be going to the moon, I think, late next year. Now it's been put back to late the year after, possibly even the year after that. You know, you are going to wonder, why, where did they get the technology from in 1960? <laughs> <laughs> Why could they do it then? We don't have the technology now. For so you answer me that. <laughs> your 
yours is a breakfast table of conspiracies. <laughs> so I'm imagining that uh, that your breakfast table, uh, you sit there in shafts of morning sunlight, uh, perhaps with, uh, I think, maybe not a linen tablecloth. I'm imagining you're the kind of person who might have one of those oil cloths, an easy wipe A wipe down. clean. Yeah. Uh, but are you serving a hot breakfast? Are oh, the deviled so, kidneys available? serving anything. You must be bloody joking. Does everybody sit down and have breakfast? It was by pure fluke that the other residents... Um, uh, with a student is still at home writing a very important piece of work uh, very important indeed and the cat I, uh, what I find very sweet about the cat is that when all three of us are at the table eating she will also go to her food bowl and eat oh that's Isn't lovely that unbelievably clever, clever Dora. cute yeah. apparently Taylor Swift puts her cat bowl of food on the table that's wrong is it? oh no that can't be that can't be that's right quite, I think that's quite cute no. no, because no, because the because the cats are doing cleaning, aren't they, in in places that we can't reach, and they shouldn't. You, so you shouldn't have. You don't want to encourage them. No, at you the table. don't want to encourage. God, if that I could do that, I'd definitely do it at the table. <laughs> yes, okay. Not at breakfast, though, Jane. Or maybe not. Just not at breakfast. No. Okay. Right. If anybody is sitting down to a formal hot breakfast, I'd very much uh, like to hear from you. Do you know what? Actually, when I was doing my um, journalist training, I am trained. Well, after all these years, now she tells me. Trained in what, darling? Got her face. So when I was doing my journalist training and we used to have to go, so we were sent to three different parts of the country and we were thrown in at the deep end, local radio stations, you had to stay for three months and, and we really weren't paid very much money in, uh, for our expenses. And that's right because, you know, licence fee payer and all that kind of stuff, but it meant that we all ended up staying in... Uh, some, you know, definitely not five star accommodation, but all of the B&Bs that I ended up staying in uh, across the course of a year, breakfast was just the most fantastic mm. meal because everyone who ran the B&Bs that I stayed in took enormous pride. That was the meal that you had when you were enjoying their hospitality. Uh, and there was something really lovely about having a proper hot breakfast and taking a bit of time to eat it in the company of other people and I've not done that in my life since Haven't and that you? was okay. 30 years ago no wow. I don't know a family who sit down and actually no, no, have a breakfast it meal. It really was an absolute fluke this morning although it really did happen I'm not But I think it, it would be nice actually what, what a lovely start to the day to call children <laughs> Breakfast! Oh, and then you can faces. have all of that really strange egg equipment. There's no other food stuff that has as much equipment as eggs. Yeah, no, you're right. The egg old cups. Egg, sp- egg mandolin, if yep. you want to slice it up. And the special horn spoon. Yes. Horn spoon? <laughs> do you want to go straight to the uh, email from Erudite Thomas about the horned hat? Oh, no, you can do you can do Erudite Thomas and his horned well, hat. I don't think I've, I've... Actually, it's not on top of my pile. Hang on. I, can I, in that case, I want to go first to the excellent Beck who says, Dear Jane and Fee, I was once told by a teenager, or as a teenager... By someone who claimed to fancy me. And this sort of comment, it really takes me back because boys used to say this sort of stuff. Perhaps they still do. Who knows? I was once told as a teenager by someone who claimed to fancy me that I was quite attractive, but they wouldn't consider me pretty. This was delivered as if it were feedback I could act upon. (laughs) I just love that. What I do find, what I do find, what I do, what? I do find this funny, she says, but the feminist in me is still annoyed at this. And it was 35 years ago. And I absolutely get what she means. I really do get what she was She still mulls that over because it's one of those comments you cannot forget. It's harsh, isn't it? But it's, 
it's it's, it's but real. It's not, yes, but it's not so rude that you can just kind of dismiss it as an insult and you know file yeah. it in the they were a tosspot kind of. Box. I mean, I'm assuming that the person who said this was male, but actually it isn't. It isn't um, absolutely certain, but I, I think we can probably assume it was. But I do love this feedback that I could act upon. <laughs> just do something about it. <laughs> Thank you for that, Beck. So I did have a date once uh, with a, a broadcaster. I'd say he was well known, but actually, he's he's really not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so damning, it's but hilarious. but wonderful. And he came round uh, for a drink or dinner or something. And anyway, I I gave him the very very uh, clear sign that uh, nothing was going to happen, and the evening had ended. Uh, and he left uh, with his parting shot was. Uh, well, I would have been able to live with the cats, but not with the smoking. And I just thought, how arrogant. So I've decided I don't want to see you again. I can't believe her. Like, the chance of moving in with you was there. I know. Oh, and my God. Yep. Isn't that extraordinary? I've never forgotten that either. I'm going to write that, that name. That is just phenomenal. To see, just to see okay. your face, but obviously I'm not going to say but I think you'll know who I mean. Or if you don't know who I mean, that's even more damning. Oh, I do know who you mean. <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> and not that attractive himself. No, exactly. Um, I, I had a very long list for him too. Uh, right, dear Jane and Fee, two emails in a week. I'm realising I'm chancing my arm now, having waded on the topic of Marc de Champagne last week. But we really enjoyed that, Thomas. So yeah. we're always happy to hear from you. In today's podcast regarding Napoleon and the Princess Royal, Fee asks, what is the function of those two bits sticking out of the side of that hat? adding that she could understand a wide-brimmed hat to keep the sun off. These odd hats began with a round, wide-brimmed hat, specifically that worn by Spanish soldiers in Flanders in the 17th century. The brim was turned up in three sections, pinned or laced in position to make a tricorn. The main reason for this modification was that it allowed a soldier to stand at arms without the musket barrel hitting the brim. Oh, OK. Gosh. I suppose everything does have a practical explanation. Yeah. yeah. And Thomas goes on to say there was another accidental advantage. A broad brim was useful in sunny Spain, but less so in the rainy low countries. The tricorn hat, however, had three gutters that allowed rainwater to run off easily. If a soldier needed a visor against the sun, he could just unlace one flap. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? And then there's loads more, which is a bit too much. <laughs> too much on military hats. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but a little bit. <laughs> okay. But no, seriously, uh, uh, absolutely brilliant. And thank you very much indeed. Um, the, there's quite a lot of stuff about the bicorn hat, uh, which has which is very complicated, actually. And that's got two different bits, cocks and fans. Yes, I, I thought well, the last thing we need is an unnecessary reference to cocks. Um, we've already had one cock on the show um, with regard to fees. <laughs> reminiscence about her date um joe says a while back i recommended your podcast to a very dear friend we caught up recently and she told me proudly that you'd read out one of her letters i was able to tell her just as proudly that you'd read out one of mine when i told my husband he said well i don't expect fee and jane get many emails <gasps> eve how many emails do we get thousands millions, millions. kajillions <laughs> we get a lot i come in a bit earlier now to work to read the emails, emails i know yeah. what's happened firework oh look oh look it's fireworks oh it's, it's only fireworks we don't need to worry i thought it was a bit close to 
Right, well, there's an so, impromptu yes. firework display going on on the other side of the tent. All right, firework monitor. Do you want to go and check? Was that your role at school? <laughs> Were you ever a monitor? Oh, was I a monitor? No, I was head of house. Mm-hmm. It was the day girl house at a boarding school. Day girl house. Yep. And it was it, called Kea Gwent. Why? I don't know. Kea Gwent? Kea Gwent. There must have been a reason. Well... It was a Welsh reason, and I didn't pursue it. Yeah, but you weren't at school in Wales. No, I was at school in Hampshire. <laughs> Somebody will be able to tell me. Okay. Well, it must. Have, were you elected to that position? No, uh, you were just appointed. Gosh, what a thrill! Yeah, I think it was uh, genuinely. I think it was an attempt to to kind of say, actually, you could pull your socks up a little bit, love, and then that might, you know, you might benefit from that. Right. Were you? No. You must have been a monitor of something. No, no, I wasn't. I was... Is that why your blue tit thing comes up a lot? Patrol leader with blue tits. It doesn't come up a lot, Fee. I mean, well, every now and again, I draw attention to my success as the patrol leader of the blue tits in the Girl Guides. Um, I don't know if anybody from the Girl Guide community knows whether they still have a patrol called the blue tits. I would like to hear. I suspect they don't. It's very sad, isn't it? We, we, we move in... In some ways, more sophisticated, but less pleasant times. Yeah, not so much fun. Not so much fun. Um, There was also a titty in Swallows and Amazons, wasn't there? Which, uh, to be honest, even in the 70s, I struggled a bit with that. Um, Alison says, some time ago on your podcast, you made reference to a fluffer. Uh, Perhaps something to do with one of your cats or Nancy. I can't remember, but it did make me laugh. Uh, A fluffer in the porn industry is a person who is available to help out if the male in the scene is flagging. Uh, the fluffer comes in to perk things up for him. Quite an important person on the set, which I can imagine. In case you're wondering, I don't know this because I worked in porn, but because when I lived in San Francisco, I had tea sometimes with my neighbour Annie Sprinkle, uh, a well-known porn star. It's a Uh, great name. It is. Alison, thank you for that. Um, It is a great name. And we are talking next week about pornography. And we've talked, um, I've already recorded an interview with a a so-called, I think we have to be careful with the phrasing of this, a so-called ethical and feminist porn maker. And I know people take issue with that and say, well, but but she is. It's like a special woman's hour voice. (laughs) Well... But you, people do take issue with it, don't they? And I think, uh, for all, we can be moralistic about this, but I think we have to ex- accept. I mean, it, it wouldn't be wrong, would it, to say that the majority of British adults have used or do use pornography? Yes. Or is that wrong? Or have wrong? come across it. No, I'm sure, and, and we'll furnish ourselves with uh, detailed statistics uh, ahead of next week where we're going to talk about the whole issue. Uh, but its prevalence is enormous, so... yeah. Yeah, and to pretend otherwise, it's just ridiculous. Isn't it just? Uh, This comes from Best Wishes Liz in Walthamstow. Uh, Dear Jane and Fee and the whole off-air team, that's a nice start, Liz. I wanted to get in touch about your listener who was so disappointed to find that the guy she was considering seeing was sharing social posts from those idiots Brand and Tate. What a horrible situation for her to be in. She is right to listen to her instincts and steer clear. After all, Russell Brand only has a career because of the mainstream media he now wangs on about and you're absolutely right there Liz Mm. I'm 47 and really hope there are plenty of younger men who are not swayed by such nonsense. I've been with my husband for nearly 15 years while he drives me mad in many ways. He's lovely and absolutely a feminist. He gets apoplectic with rage about the song Blurred Lines for example A wise friend of mine says women end up with the men they think they're worth 
I'm going to say that again because I think that's just superb. Put that on a badge. A wise friend of mine says, women end up with the men they think they are worth. None of us are perfect, but our listener deserves a gem, not someone she will end up making excuses for. And do you know what, Liz? Massive tick for that first sentence. Massive tick for the second. uh, Because you don't want to walk through life uh, making excuses for somebody else's behaviour. And I think an awful lot of one half of a couple ends up having to do that. Mm. And Pippa was the original correspondent. Mm. And she says, hello, both. Uh, Thanks indeed for reading out my email. I'm glad you're also on the same page as me. And I just wanted to clarify that as soon as I read his message, I did know I wouldn't really want to pursue things any further with him. The conflict I was feeling was more about the uncomfortable feeling of getting along with someone, but trying to square that with views they hold, especially if that comes from the different bubbles of information you're both exposed to. Uh, We definitely live in different bubbles, one being he's a scouser and I'm from London. Well, Pippa, it would never work. That combination (laughs) is very difficult. It's very, very, very difficult. Yes. Yes, people from Liverpool can be very difficult indeed. Some of them have mood swings and opinions. And honestly, they're off the scale sometimes. They're also... Hearts of gold. Hearts of gold. I don't know what it was. I think it was... (laughs) I don't know, was it Norfolk? It was very hard to place. Hearts of gold. (laughs) Best sense of humour in the world. Super generous. Or after a fashion. Oh, do we dare do the Simon Le Bon story? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I think we probably can. But I just want to briefly mention um, Alison, who actually was listening to the Times radio show uh, and heard my story about the horrendous outfit I wore on the night of the opening ceremony at the London Olympics. Just refresh people's memory. Well, I hosted a small soiree at my home in East West Kensington, invited in neighbours and uh, <laughs> neighbours and friends and laid on a spread I don't think I've done it since, by the way. <laughs> this makes me sound like a really lovely person. It was 13 years ago. I haven't done a single thing since. Uh, anyway, it's a good night. Uh, and as you'll know, uh, the mood in the country before the ceremony was a little bit, mm, six out of ten, we're not bothered. It'll never work. It'll it, never it, take it, 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 off. It will be. It will be. But it turned out to be uh, some of the best times of any of our lives. Anyway, I came downstairs the just before the soiree uh, uh, erupted, uh, wearing my chosen patriarch patriotic outfit which was in a London Olympics official t-shirt and some I'm going to say it Primark Union Jack leggings made in China <laughs> I descended the stairs and my nine-year-old daughter at the time burst into tears and said Mummy, you'll just be laughed at you can't wear that uh, and I pointed out it was a night of national celebration and as a national trinket myself at that stage, <laughs> working as I did for Radio 4, uh, it would be entirely in keeping with the event that I wore this garb. And indeed, many people complimented me, possibly because they were eating my free food and drinking my booze. But anyway. Do you think you've got a picture somewhere? No, fortunately oh. I haven't. You've always got that picture of me nine and a half months pregnant to hang on to. You don't need to see any yes. more. Oh, my eyes. Oh, my eyes. <laughs> anyway, Alison says, um, I did like hearing about your daughter crying about your Olympics outfit. It reminded me of a similar incident. Burns night is big in Scotland. It certainly is. Uh, you eat haggis, you drink whiskey and you toast the poet Robert. But Burns. Uh, there are speeches and the famous address to the haggis. 
before you eat it, which usually ends up with a knife being thrust into it. One year, my husband was asked by his local climbing club to do the address to the haggis at the club's Burns Night in a mountain bothy. Oh, I bet that was good. He agreed he'd been practising, but he wanted to do a run-through before he left. So we had a Burns supper the night before at home, and when he started the address in a shouty voice and waving a knife, our then eight-year-old son burst into tears and had a look of absolute terror. Only one verse was recited. Our son did recover, he had a large iron brew, uh, but I often wonder if it influenced his later decision to become a vegetarian. <laughs> um, it may well have done, Alison. Burns Night is, is quite, obviously it's a huge thing in Scotland for reasons I simply do not understand. It was also celebrated vigorously at the University of Birmingham uh, in our Hall of Residence. We had an annual dinner. Oh, I think it's an excuse in every single oh, university. Is it? Because okay, just... there's the carrying in and the lighting. Yeah, we did all that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a thing, isn't it? It was, you know, some distance from the border. I can recommend a, a vegetarian haggis as a wonderful thing. Is it? It's yeah. just lovely, spicy, peppery bread, basically. It's good. Mm. It's good. Uh, I also have a Simon Le Bon in St Lucia story, says all the best, Kate. I grew up on a boat and my pre-teen years were spent cruising the Caribbean with my parents and older sister. We were on a shoestring budget, so my parents would do odd jobs along the way to replenish the cruising kitty. My mum used to sew up courtesy flags, the small flag of the country you're visiting, as a courtesy for allowing boats to enter their waters. And my dad did boaty mechanical jobs. Anchored at the Pitons, a famous natural landmark in St Lucia. But in order to sort of park up, you need to have the appropriate flag. Neither did I. No, gosh, that's thank you. That's interesting. Yeah. We pulled up alongside and my parents, sorry, we dinghied over to a beautiful sailboat to chat up the occupants as potential customers. We pulled up alongside and my parents were delighted to see Simon Le Bon, who was on board his yacht with his family. Mm-hmm. I was about nine years old at the time and totally unfazed by the rock star before me. But being smaller than the rest of the family, my eyeline, as I looked up to the man sitting oh, on deck, unfortunately God. didn't meet his face, but landed more in line with his mid Region. The Duran Duran frontman, obviously embracing the island style, was dressed in only a sarong. So when I looked up, I had a full view of his ordinary world. Thanks for your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it keeps me entertained during the lots and lots of hours I spend driving two teenage boys around to their various activities. Uh, you have all my sympathy and all my love for doing that, Kate. Keep up the brilliant work. Uh, thank you for that. A sarong can be dangerous, can't it? Well, um, do you think... I mean, we were talking last week, weren't we, to a young man who wears wears a skirt, and very proudly, just because he likes it. And, uh, you know, there is a wonderful freedom on a lovely sunny day, uh, a warm day, wearing a skirt. But um, the sarong, I've only ever seen David Beckham in a sarong. I'm trying to think of another man who's... And it works on the young David Beckham. It looked amazing. Is it something, a sarong, that could translate to... Not a day of five Celsius in the city of London, really. No, 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 but no. My dad used to put a sarong on when he got home from work when we lived in the abroad. Well, yes, but that's slightly different. Yeah, because they'd come in, you know, a sweaty wreck and they'd go and have a shower and put on a sarong. sarong really? Yeah. Can you imagine my dad coming in from a day clarking at the dock this, board? But we weren't. <laughs> we put on a sarong. We weren't in. We weren't in, we weren't in, we weren't in Crosby. No. no. Okay. I just, it's just a, that's just an amazing slice of life. I must tell my dad that. <laughs> Come on, Ray. <laughs> I'm going this weekend. I'll take him a sarong. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, um, I am, I mean, I'm a big fan of music. I'm not, I think I went through an anoraki stage of being, a as a teenager, I was properly anoraki. I mean, I had, you know, coloured vinyl, I bought all the music magazines. I wanted to work in a music magazine, it never really worked out for me. But um, I, I, when you meet a proper anorak, as I did today, but a, in a glorious way, you you realise that actually, no, you, you were just a gilet. <laughs> that really was, I was barely even that. Um, whereas Daniel Rachel is the author of of a book which honestly will be, I think, the definitive history of the British musical movement, Two Tone. And the book he's written is called Too Much Too Young, which is uh, the title, of course, of that phenomenal hit song by The Specials. Now, unfortunately, we can't play music on a podcast. Why can't we? Because we don't have the publishing rights. We don't. But we did play some of this great music on Times Radio earlier when we talked to Daniel there. Um, so there were some great British bands involved in the two-tone movement, the likes of The Selector, The Beat, uh, The Body Snatchers, Madness, of course. Their first single was on the two-tone label before they went over to Stiff Records. Um, so the fong, thong, I'm thinking of the thong, the song that we played before we put out the interview with Daniel on the radio show uh, was Ghost Town by The Specials, which I think really does bring back the early 1980s to all of us who were around at the time. And actually, particularly um, the year of the summer of the riots. It was the royal wedding and the riots across England, the summer of 1981. And um, pretty much unforgettable uh, from for those of us who were around and paying attention. Uh, but Fee, was, you were still very young, weren't you? So you would only be... Well, no, I do remember do it, but I didn't... Um, so I, I don't think I really started buying records no. until mm. after... So in in 1981, I'd been 11. No, okay, so I so wouldn't. Have I didn't have you. this in my record collection at all. And actually, I only really know Two Tone because of its incredible longevity. So we were still playing the specials mm. and particularly Ghost Town. Uh, it was definitely on the kind of GLR top 100 list of tunes, and that would have been in the late 1990s. Right. And there's just something so good 
about two-tone music that mm. it does stand the test of time. No, it really it? does, and it's actually very sad that Terry Hall, the, vo- the lead vocalist of the specials, died uh, the winter... Yeah, last winter, yeah. in fact. And he yeah. was a really beautiful man, he wasn't was, he? Very sad life, actually. Yeah. Um, yes, he had lovely eyes, um, but yeah, he had all sorts of all sorts of issues, and he'd been through some rotten experiences as a schoolboy. Anyway, um, Daniel Rachel has written the history of the two tone movement in his book Too Much Too Young, and here he is um, responding to my question about how old he was back in that ghost town summer of 1981. <laughs> well, I was a schoolboy at secondary school. And and I think that song hit like so many of two-tone songs did because it gets you with a great melody and a great beat. But once you get into the lyricism of it, it's telling and reflecting what's happening literally outside the window. So for you, as you were just saying, five miles away in Toxteth and for me in Birmingham, and uh, it had a tremendous impact, that song. It, it's at number one at the time... And the right spread across the whole country and, and really encapsulated two years of a record label and, and, a, and a selection of bands that had been offering that kind of, not perhaps resistance, but reflection on yeah. where society was at. So was Ghost Town by the Specials, was that peak two-tone for you, for everybody? Yes and no. I mean, it's it's certainly the end of the first phase, the phase of number ones, Great hits, the a, 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 a seemingly a, a young nation dressing in black and white, but it there, but it does have a second incarnation, and perhaps listeners will know that best through the song Nelson Mandela, which obviously culminates in the Wembley concerts and Nelson Mandela on stage when the world's pop glitterati had just sung the song Free Nelson Mandela. Free Nelson Mandela, yeah, yeah which uh, was an- another of those moments. You've given me another <laughs> another great memory there. So let's go back. Let's actually talk about, the, first of all, the, the, the significance of the city of Coventry in mm. all this. Uh, what was so special about Coventry? <laughs> special because of the specials. But I think, I mean, I start the book talking about the bombing of Coventry and the reason being that it was a city in need of help and that help came from the car industry and then that collapsed in the in the late 60s, early 70s and again the, the city needed help and this time it came from music and from two-tone particularly from the specials from the selector and Jerry Dammers who formed the specials and created two-tone records, wanted a production line like that of Motown, yeah. Detroit, the car city. It's a great but, ambition. Yeah, and a, and a successful one that was realised. And instead of uh, cars that all look the same, he wanted an identifiable sound in the music and he achieved that. And it's quite incredible, really, because D- Jerry wanted pop fame, but he wanted it with other bands too. So he found Madness, found The Beat, The Selector, The Body Snatchers and other groups and it became a movement and that was quite unheard of really, I'd say, in pop music. Let's talk about Jerry Dammers because there's always a, a romantic, uh, I don't know, a romantic yearning for a, a belief that this was all about the working class. <laughs> but actually, Jerry Dammers was, was an impeccable middle-class boy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, grammar school of uh, parents of, of the church and many musicians uh, w- within Two-Tone were uh, of a certain class or educated. And I think that's really important, you know, because Two-Tone addresses class it addresses gender, 
it addresses race. And it's often assumed that the audience was, a, and he's often written about, a working-class movement. Well, I don't remember, you know, somebody with a clipboard at a madness gig saying, now, are you middle-class, <laughs> are you working-class? You know, there's no way of telling, really. You know, obviously it did appeal to working-class people, but it appealed to, I'd say, uh, uh, people of all hues and races and colours. And... Well, yeah, that was what was so significant about it, because there, for the first time, on top of the pops, for me, anyway, in my mind, I was 14 in 1979, uh, you got black people and white people in the same bands. Yes. And that felt, to me, hugely significant. And it's incredible, because today that may sound strange to a younger listener but that and and of course black and white had been in the same band before you know you think of sly and the family stone or you can come you know hot chocolate even but it wasn't a political statement right. or a significant one in the way that the selector and the specials were doing it and the beat where they were saying in the after we, after we'd had rock against racism, they were saying let's now bring come together in a band and make the statement visually, um, and we'll also do it musically where the influences of different cultures cultures excuse me were coming together and and providing a new style of music which was two tone and that was in, amazing, and I think maybe kids like you and I Jane who put posters of these people on the wall. I mean, I'm a little bit younger and, and I realise now that my education was was hitting me visually, that mm. I thought nothing of having a black woman on my wall surrounded by black men or a mixed group like The Beat with equal white and equal black people. And I and then I, in late, later years, I thought, that's amazing because I was being taught that that was what was good and right and exciting. Because well, I suppose we do need to remind people that the National Front were a thing at the time, um, skinheads, football violence, which has never really gone away, but was certainly prevalent back then. These were quite troubled times, weren't they? Yeah, more than a thing. I mean, these was these were neo-Nazis on the streets of Britain who were trying to appeal to a young generation to say that, that you can find your identity as a fascist. And they literally were saying that. And, and Two-Tone offered... A choice to that. You can either go with the neo-Nazis or you can come with us where we will give you a good time musically but also try and educate you with our lyricism. Mm. And thankfully, I think a whole swathe of youth and a generation turned to anti-racism and saw that as cool. But I think it's as important that... Um, that gender was included in that. If you think of the song The Boiler, that which um, the Body Snatchers used to perform, here is uh, seven women in a band and they're talking about um, male violence which ends in a rape and on the last minute of the recorded song, Rhoda Dacca screams and she screams the pain of what rape means. That song charted on two-tone, which is quite incredible. And it spoke to people like me, and for the first time I was understanding what rape meant. And that, that's not something I was learning in my classroom. No, oh, it absolutely wouldn't have been. Uh, what about uh, Pauline Black from The Selector? She was another a pivotal a female figure. Yeah, and really, uh, on when the two-tone tour went out for the first time, when the special Selector and Madness went on a coach and toured the country, she was the only woman amongst 40 men, she would, she probably would have been, and, and the minor I imagine a minority of women watching from the audience. Now that, just to do that, 
enables incredible bravery. And I think Pauline has that, had that and has that tenfold because she fronted the band and did it with an incredible energy and powerful vocal that brought that music, songs like On My Radio, Too Much Pressure, in, into the top echelons of the charts. And it, 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 you watch the footage now and she's stunning to watch. What about Madness? Because uh, Madness have never stopped, have they? I mean, they're still rolling now. I've Actually, in all honesty, until I went to your book, I'd forgotten that they were a part of this at the start. Yeah, and it's incredible because because Jerry Dammers had said to the record label, if you sign the specials, you sign this idea of two-turn, I will bring you bands. Who will the bands be? No idea. <laughs> then he finds Madness here in, in London... Jerry's from Coventry and Madness are playing a similar style of music dressing in a similar Jamaican 60s influence of clothing yeah we should say really smart clothing that, that was <laughs> important because you know when you used to watch Top of the Pops and your mum and dad would be in the room and they'd disapprove of everybody <laughs> but you couldn't disapprove of the two-tone bands because they just were so well turned out yeah so dapper weren't they yeah dapper those? yeah exactly yeah. so and that, yeah and, and, and also you could emulate that as a school kid because it wasn't far from your school uniform was it, you know, black trousers, white shirts, and if you just put some badges of madness and the specials over the, on your blazer, then you're all away. But, yeah, madness. I mean, they, they did one song with Two-Tone, The Prince, and then as Two-Tone allowed them, they were then free to go off and find their own careers, which they did with Stiff Records and became the most successful singles band of the 80s, but never stopped really addressing the issues which were at the heart of Two-Tone. And they're still, you know, they ended up playing on the Queen's roof, you know, yeah, and yeah. at the Olympic opening ceremony. Absolutely at the heart of the establishment. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't get more establishment than and that, it, does and it? And why not? Because it's, cause it's saying that culture and music plays an important part of our lives it play, uh, and, and, and ultimately to the economy, I guess. You know, and, and, and it's often scoffed at, I think, pop music. And, and Two-Tone proved that it... It, it plays a greater role than just something you could dance to, which shouldn't be overlooked in its in and of itself. I know you've called the book too much, too young, which is the special song. Mm. Um, I mean, I lo- the lines in that are they are they're really pointed, aren't they? You've done too much, much too young. You married mm. with a kid when you should be having fun with me. Um, I mean, the before that, had anyone addressed things like getting pregnant when you didn't? You were far too young to deal with the responsibility. Well, I think there were there were hinted suggestions at it, but it was it was a great challenge, wasn't it? In that lyricism, and it, and I have to say that within there were there were detractors as well. There's various people within Two Tone who who thought it was misogynistic, and I wasn't afraid to. Uh, address that within the book because I think one of the brilliant things about Two-Tone is it's contradictory. You mm. know, you mentioned the class differences. It, there's contradiction all the way through that the bands were struggling to exist within themselves um, with the different cultures that were trying to come together, black uh, men and women trying to play together. And I think ultimately it's for the listener to decide if a song like Too Much Too Young speaks to them. Mm. And in many ways it's advocating that a woman, her destiny coming out of education is not to just be married and have kids, it's to do something more with your life. But perhaps it isn't a male to tell them, I don't know. You Gosh, know. do you know, I'd never, I'll never listen to that again in the same way. It's just a load of mansplaining. Right. You... It's also a brilliant song. Let's it is not, a great let's song. Let's not lose sight of that. You no, know. we should never lose sight of that. Daniel Rachel, author of Too Much Too Young. And actually, um, Daniel really is of the belief that Too Much Too Young was written for a woman, or at least he is aware of the controversy from women objecting to what they believe 
believe, was the mansplaining, misogynist tone of the lyrics to that song. But I don't think... I've listened again. It's it's actually written to a male friend, isn't it? And we had a verification of that mm. on the on the radio programme today. Because our listeners never lie. They never lie. And no. Claire texted in to say that she had known a friend who had known Terry Hall and knew that one of Terry Hall's friends Keep had, up. Yep. had got his girlfriend pregnant mm. and that Terry Hall had written the song about him because he'd lost his mate to fatherhood. To domesticity yes, and fatherhood, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, um, absolutely brilliant anecdote. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it is a great anecdote. Thank you for doing that. I, I do love it when you put something out that somebody can explain or can just bring to life. It's absolutely fine. It's almost like it's worth doing live radio as well as a podcast. But of course it's worth doing a podcast because you're all amazing. Now, what is the book club book? Well, because it's now nearly midnight and we have to go. I keep on promising people that tomorrow we're going to uh, unveil it, but I've been told strictly... Oh, it's uh, got to be tomorrow? Yes, by the production uh, honcho, uh, Rosie... That I can't say until tomorrow. Oh. So we will make the announcement between us tomorrow, uh, and we absolutely will. I don't think anybody's on ten hooks because we have said we're going to choose a nice short book in a January style. So I think we'll all be okay. It's good. Do you know what? It's a book that's just got the most fantastic title. Just so drawn right. to it because of the title. Okay. Uh, so thank you for all of your suggestions, which we will also run through on the podcast tomorrow. Because sometimes all you need actually is a recommendation from you know, somebody else. So there'll be other things that get recommended along the way. Definitely. And to those people who've already emailed with their stories about pornography, hugely appreciated. Thank you for your honesty. No, you don't need to worry. Your names will never be mentioned. Uh, We'll keep everything between us. But it's just really, really good to get a proper range of uh, experiences and of thoughts on the whole subject of pornography, particularly, I guess, in relation, not just to, to bringing up children, but your life and how you've lived your life and how it's impacted on the way you live your life. So keep those uh, stories coming to Jane and Fee at times.radio. More on that subject next week. I've got to go because I must go back to Vera. I'm only halfway through this week's episode. What went on at that, as you pointed out earlier, quite small covered market. There was a lot of rivalry going on. As I can make out, there were two fruit and veg stalls. There was a stall selling what looked like kind of straw doily things mm, but they're useful and uh one selling kenny's pants yes, that was but great they had a market inspector with a huge office <laughs> he did a big office from quite a small cup and market but listen we're not picking holes uh <laughs> i wouldn't dare i love it have a very good evening You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. (laughs) Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man. It's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuine interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Hold up. 
iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com